We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, it's just tough, you know. I think you look at the offense and we're moving the ball, ball making big-time plays. People are doing their jobs and, you know, to get down to the, the one or whatever it was and, and, and sneak it and for that to happen, just a freak thing. And, and for them to turn around and get seven, you know, that's basically a 14-point swing. Um, it's tough, man. But, you know, with all that being said, we were still in the game. The guys fought hard, um, continued to fight hard no matter what. And you love to see that from the guys, man. I'm, I'm super proud of this team. Can't can't dwell, can't get down about it. You know, it's life. You know, you're gonna face adversity all throughout in various ways uh, throughout your life. And uh, I think you know, face adversity throughout the game. And then you know, with the loss, we uh, obviously it's adversity as well. So it's about how we're gonna respond next year and like you know, letting this motivate us uh, this off season because we know how good uh, we can be. <laughs> Mark Andrews and Roquan Smith meeting with the media just a short while ago in Cincinnati after Baltimore drops a heartbreaker to the Bengals in the wild card round 24 to 17. Welcome into our instant reaction episode here on the vault. I'm Bobby Trossett joined as always by my partner and co-host Sarah Ellison. And we're going to do a lot over the next hour, including, you know, at the very top of our agenda item, just making sense of what we just saw play out in Cincy as well as kind of defining the 2022-2023 Baltimore Ravens by the numbers, by the inches in tonight's case, Sarah. And as we always say in postseason football, really just in the game of football in general, it usually comes down to inches or a couple plays. And both of those those statements certainly proved to be true for the Ravens tonight. Bobby, there is no doubt the Ravens were the better team tonight. They were 100% the better team tonight. And nobody is better at beating the Ravens than the Ravens. And, you know, we'll go through it all. And there's, you know, different things that, that we can point out for what led to this loss. But for me, the top thing on that list is going to be the coaching. I cannot tell you how many times I'm screaming at my, my screen watching the game saying, feed J.K. Dobbins. They're down there before the half. 
at, with with inside the red zone and they don't feed J.K. Dobbins isn't even out there. And then on that QB sneak, I mean, J.K. Dobbins is begging the coaches to put the game on his back. And why wouldn't you with his stats tonight? But you don't. You don't do it. I mean, every time he touched that ball, he's like, I mean, he's making things happen. He wanted to put the offense on his back and he was delivering. So on that, not it's not just the QB sneak, although that bothered me too. Like, why aren't you using J.K. Dobbins in the red zone? You are not scoring all season long in the red zone. This man willed his way to a touchdown earlier on, on, a, th- on a throw to him. And, and then at the end, again, just on the theme of, of it being on the coaching, like the clock management down the stretch, and we'll get to, I'm sure, John Harbaugh's reaction, and, and he stood by his, his clock management. I mean, and again, you get it to a certain extent. The Ravens ran out of being able to play when they were in the red zone with no timeouts left, but you got to get there. You got to get there. I mean, they were just taking their sweet time, even if you're not going to use your timeouts. They're just huddling and taking their sweet time as if they've got all day. And, and you know, that's what I just feel like it comes down to is, is nobody, nobody was giving the Ravens a chance to win this. Nobody. You and I didn't give them a chance. So when they're on the one-yard line with a chance to go up by seven in the fourth quarter, you're like, holy crap, they're about to pull this off. And it's by bringing physicality to Cincinnati. Cincinnati couldn't take the Ravens' physical nature. They couldn't take it. And then the coaching, I feel like, just handed, handed the win right back over. And that doesn't mean that all the players are off the hook. But to me, that was the number one thing. I just couldn't believe how they lost in this fashion. Down the stretch, it was an operational nightmare. Stop us if you've heard that before. You know, it's it was almost like a microcosm. You know, it was the, the epitome of a microcosm of what really held this offense back this year. And... You know, I've sat up here time and time again and tried to play devil's advocate for uh, the coaching. And I think in some cases, I certainly stand by playing the devil's advocate or trying to look the other the other way and, and you know, look on both so- sides of the of the coin, if you will, and all that. But tonight, there's just no mints and words. This is on the coaches. You know, can we talk about how and, and Tyler and, and John both spoke about this post game, you know, could, could Snoop have gone low and kind of been followed his big bodies into the end zone there on that QB sneak rather than going high and sort of trying to, you know, stick, stick your arm out as far as possible. Sure. But man, to JK's point, and we should probably get there next because he's lighting up the internet right now, Sarah, as we tape this at 1230, it just turned 1230 AM Eastern here on Monday morning, Jeff Cerebek tweeted, uh, J.K. said he's tired of not getting the ball, tired of being held back. He said that Huntley should never have been in that position on the QB sneak. And then he added, if he would have had, if we would have had Lamar, we would have won too. And it was Jonas Schaefer's original tweet too uh, that essentially said, you know, J.K. being saying, I should be the guy talking about these certain situations in the red zone there. And in this case, right up at the goal line. I didn't see that last quote about, about Lamar. Um, that's tough, tough on Huntley because again, I do feel like, I mean, Huntley had a, um, Huntley had a very up and down game and you can say that about a lot of people, but there were times like the snap over his head, 
right? Where he ran that down and he made something out of nothing. And then that went on to go to the field goal. He threw that, he pump faked on the double move from Robinson and then threw it to him perfectly. So he connected there. He connected on that third and one that I thought for sure Greg Roman was calling a run. He threw up a perfect 50-50 ball to let his superstar, Mark Andrews, go up and get it. Um, he he converted first down with his legs several times. And so those are the definite ups. And and with, with that play, he put the Ravens in position to win. Now, if the play call, although I 1,000%, which is why if you go back in the moment, I tweeted it. I'm like, where is J.K. Dobbins? So I'm not I'm – not, Taking Greg Roman off the hook at all. Two things can be true at once. I don't think Greg Roman should have called that play. I'm very upset, and I'll get back to it more, that he didn't use J.K. Dobbins more. Um, but you do have to say to Tyler Huntley, and this isn't to put the whole, all the blame on him, but it is, if if it's, they even called it on the NBC broadcast, right? It's clearly the play where it's the go low and let yourself get pushed in. We saw that a few times in some other wild card games just today. Where the where the quarterback on a QB sneak went low, and then his uh, running backs and people behind him pushed him through. So if that was the call, that's what you that's what you got to do, you know. So uh, so it was a combination of what I think was a terrible play call, and then and then you know just it, it just stinks because he also even though he fumbled it, like how often do things get returned ninety eight yards? It just it's so it's so. It's just so crazy, but I agree with J.K. Dobbins. Tyler Huntley should not have been in that position in the first place. I, I understand why wide receivers might be frustrated with this offense. I understand why wide receivers might be upset with Greg Roman because this is a run-first offense. But for your star running back to be upset when you're supposed to be the, the run guru coordinator, that's what you do? And then every single time when it makes sense to go to your battering Rams between J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards, you're there inside the five-yard line. I don't know how many times they had that tonight, but it was on more than one possession. And you don't use J.K. Dobbins in there? You're you're getting too cute. You're out thinking the room. And I'm sorry my voice is cracking. I, I was just telling Bobby, I coached nine, nine basketball games in seven days, and the last one was a thriller. I was yelling a lot. I lost my voice a little bit. But – yeah, I just felt like Greg Rowan was getting too cute. You're, again, trying to outthink the room. And sometimes just go with what works. You got J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards who are moving the ball. You have a million tries from inside the five. Keep trying to punch it in with these guys. J.K. Dobbins had all heart tonight. Give him a chance inside of there. So I agree with J.K. Dobbins. And it shouldn't be in this offensive system, J.K. Dobbins should not be unhappy. That's. We get it with wide receivers, but not your running backs. By the way, the running backs tonight almost look like wide receivers for certain sequences. We'll get into that in just Mark a bit. Andrew we have our, sure did. No kidding. He was lining up as one at times, too, on the outside because that's all they could really use. Slim Goose hitting us up with our first YouTube Super Chat donation tonight. Thank you, Slim Goose. And, and you know, he's so sick and hurt. Love you, bro. I love you too. Raven Nation, we'll get through this together. That's why we're here right now. Sarah and I are here with you at 12.34 a.m. <laughs> Eastern. We're going to go until we feel like you know we've done enough. But 
Here's more from JK that's coming down the timeline. The question becomes, will we ever see or hear the audio of this? I'm sure the team's probably not going to put this up on the website, so we'll have to see about if any of the reporters maybe grab some clips, and I'll be able to get that throughout this live broadcast if that's the case. But right now I'm monitoring Twitter, and I haven't seen anything come down yet. But here's more from JK, 62 yards on 13 carries, not used enough when needed. I think we can all agree on that. Specifically, JK could definitely agree with that statement. Here's more, quote, I should be the guy. I'm tired of holding that back. I'm tired of that. 12 carries referring to. It's the playoffs. I'm tired of holding that back. Let's go win the game. I'm tired of that. I mean, he's not missing his words here, and he's speaking for a lot of us who have wondered, even if it was Gus a few weeks back, Sarah, why are you going away from your workhorses when you know that they're almost guaranteed, especially tonight? Like you said off the top, the Ravens were the better team. Now, as Roquan said, and we'll get to more of what he had to say later on, um, sometimes the better teams don't always win, and the Ravens didn't execute as much as they needed to tonight. So you got to tip your cap to, to Cincinnati. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> Okay, hypothetically you do. <laughs> no, no, because the Ravens were the better team. I mean, the defense did what they were supposed to do. What with the defense in the fourth quarter, how many times have we gotten after the defense for for giving up leads at the end? They'd get a three and out in the fourth quarter. Geno Stone gets a roughing the punter call. They get another three and out. The defense really only gave 10 points off, 10 points up off of non-turnovers. The Ravens manhandled the Bengals tonight. The coaching gave it up. I'm not tipping my cap. I'm upset. I'm upset with I'm upset with the coaching. I'm with J.K. Dobbins. I should be the guy. He should be the, the guy. We were all yelling it. I'm tired of being held back. And that's what I don't get. Like, how many to, you said it off the top that we've, you know, defended coaching and all of that. And I have, and it's because it's like, you can see the good that they bring. But if, but if Greg Roman is supposed to be the running guru and he's out thinking himself with his two, with this, with this playmaker in JK Dobbins. No, that's the Ravens beating themselves. I'm not tipping the cap. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I love it. I love it. I mean, whatever voice you have left, don't you dare tip any caps tonight. All right. Because, because that would require you to speak more. And then we just, we're in danger of potentially losing a cord. I'm going to be a whisper. There. I'm going to be a whisper by the end of this podcast. Oh goodness. More on the most pivotal play of the game. Of course, you know, Tyler Huntley fumbling at the one and Sam Hubbard, who is just a game wrecker. He did something he's never done in his career, running it back for 98 yards. Now, how close was Tyler to crossing the plane with the football? According to the next gen stats, the closest the ball got to the end zone was 0.6 yards from the goal line, AKA not very close at all. It was just a judgment thing. John Harbaugh did speak about it. Let's cut to him too. While we're at it here, we'll save your voice. We'll each catch a, uh, a swig of water here. Here's John Harbaugh's opening statement from his post-game press conference. Uh, obviously, a hard-fought game. Really, really proud of our players. I thought uh, we played a winning football game in many, many ways. Ran the ball well, threw the ball well, played played outstanding defense, got the turnover. Difference was the two turnovers, obviously, that hurt us, one, one, one really big one. Uh, but both led to scores, and uh, that was probably the story of the game at the end. The other story is our guys. You know, our guys, Tyler Huntley coming in and playing the way he played, I think, uh, 
coming off the uh, shoulder and the wrist injuries and uh, fighting his way back onto the field and just uh, just giving it everything he had and uh, that kind of a performance. Uh, Mark Andrews, I mean, coming up and just making play after play uh, in the passing game. Uh, offensive line, the way they blocked. Uh, J.K. and Gus, the way they ran. Uh, and then to the defense. I thought our defense was just all over the field and played great football. So uh, the key is we didn't win the game. We're disappointed in that. But I've got uh, nothing but nothing but admiration for our guys. I'm very proud of our football team. So, again, there's Harb's postgame. And you mentioned something a minute ago, Sarah, That uh, and I don't have the clip with me handy here, but his answer to the clock management question was what? Yeah, so he said that he he stands by his clock management. He said that he wanted to save it for when they got into the red zone. Um, And, like, I mean, I get it to some degree, only because in the first half they ran out of time and they couldn't run the ball when they were inside the five because if they didn't get it, then the clock would run out and they didn't have time out. So you get it from that standpoint. Okay, let's say that's true. Why aren't you hurrying up? Yeah. Like, that's the thing is like, even like even the NBC crew was like, oh, they're huddling up. They're huddling up. Like why a minute, you- the minute mark. Yeah. And, and like, there's a, there's a time where like, I feel like they had just come out of a timeout or maybe it was the, I don't know, but the clock was, was stopped. I can't remember if it was a timeout or the Bengals had just committed a, a penalty and that's what stopped it. But in my mind, it's like, okay, have two plays ready. Have two plays ready, but then they're just like taking their time huddling up again. So if you want to save them, okay, but that doesn't mean that you like take it slow. And then he said that he didn't want to, you know, give time to the Bengals um, on the back end. So they were trying to drain it. And it's like, okay, but do you not see, like, can you adjust for the game? Do you not see what your defense is doing? Do you not see that? Like the defense just had two basic three and outs to to put it back in your offense's hands. And by the way, you haven't scored yet. Like, you can't be planning for after the score if you haven't scored yet. And the, the, the Bengals were not running up and down the field on this defense. Most of the points were coming off of uh, turnovers. And so, so you know, he stood by it, but I disagreed with that one. It was just like, it was just so... Fine, save the timeouts, but move your butt. Like, if somebody made a joke because I posted his postgame handshake with um, uh, Zach, Zach, um, Taylor, Taylor. Thank you, Zach Taylor. And he he did not want to linger, right? Like, he was out of there. Yeah. And somebody yeah. had put it in the comments. They're like, see, that's how you hurry up, which I thought was yeah. hilarious. It was like, yeah, hurry it up. Right. Yeah. And, Gosh, speaking of interviews, you know, I can pull the sound for later on, but I don't think I've ever seen him more irked than his in-game interview between the first <laughs> and second quarters with Melissa Stark on, on NBC. I mean, that was, and granted, I get it. You know, in, in-game interviews are very controversial. I'm not a fan of them. I don't think they provide great value. I, I'm, I guess that was entertainment value right there, but I don't think I'd ever seen him that irked. And it was right after the taunting penalty, if you remember, right. that Marcus Peters got himself. And he was really – he kind of had to get himself in check early on in this game. And I know emotions were flying on both sides, and it was a bloodbath early before they kind of settled down. You get a lot of that you know, rah-rah stuff out of the way. But uh, can, you, can you recall a time that Harves was, was that bothered? Uh, and treated a sideline reporter like that on a national interview? 
I mean, this, no, but I don't think, it, but I've never seen him happily do one, and most coaches don't. I, I don't blame him too much for this one. She did ask, literally, like a, a, a like a, I thought a competitive it was antagonizing. question. Yeah, yeah, like it was yeah. a competitive question. So, so what will it do? What, when will you put in Anthony Brown? Like, what's, what's the, you shouldn't literally say what's the game plan, but that's exactly what she asked. Like, what the game plan was. And like you said, he's coming off of like being irked about it. And so listen, this is why these TVs do it. They want to catch coaches oh, yeah. in a bad moment. And oh, so yeah. this one, I don't blame him on. It's like, why are we doing this? Why are we putting coaches in a bad situation? They're trying to focus on winning a game. You have no idea what mood you're getting him in and what's going on. This is, listen, I just, like I said, I just coached nine games in seven days. If you had caught me after, you know, a bad sequence, I don't know if I would have been great. So, so I hit him that one, that one. I don't, I don't mind as much, mind as much, especially if they're going to ask game planning questions, like, you know, what, you know, what, what's he supposed to say? So I'm more upset about the play calling and the, and the clock management than I am about not being completely happy in the middle of a game. Let me pull up a somewhat of a concerning, I would say, statistic that's almost become a trend now for Baltimore over the last four trips uh, to the postseason. Ravens are the first team in NFL postseason history. This is according to ESPN stats and info to outgain their opponents by 120 yards in four straight games. Yet they have a one in three overall record. And I'm going to bring up the screen. And for those of you who are listening to the podcast in the days coming, I'm looking at a, we're, we're looking at a graph here. It's the Ravens last four playoff games Sunday, of course, in Cincinnati, 2020 in Buffalo, 2020 in Tennessee and 2019 um, at home versus Tennessee. And we all remember how that ended in the divisional round, but uh, one in three in such contests, Sarah. And it just shows you that they have not been able to put forth clean performances in the postseason when it comes to value in the football. And ultimately that's what this graph kind of tells me. Yeah, I wish I could remember back to all these games, like what was exactly going on, but that's that's just it. Like the Ravens have been able to move the ball. I mean, I can only remember, you know, really well from this season, that 2019 loss. I mean, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, usually when that happens, there's two things that happen. Either you have a ton of turnovers, which is one of the things that happened tonight was the turnovers was the difference. And the second thing usually is that you can't score once you get into the red zone. And that also happened tonight with the Ravens. And and you just got to finish. You've got to finish those drives. So, again, I wanted to bring that up just because it, it is what it is. Let's get to some more YouTube Super Chat features that are coming in. We'll get to as many as we possibly can throughout tonight's stream. And let's begin with Robbie. Robbie. Robbie writes in again, Harbaugh did not step in when we all noticed our main running backs weren't in the backfield with the game on the line. Harbs is on the hot seat for this as well. And, you know, hey, he does have the, I mean, he's got a lot going on, obviously, as the head coach throughout a game, Sarah. But we all know that, yeah, he he does have the autonomy to step in there and, and get these guys involved. And I'm not sure he's exactly held himself accountable for those types of, of decisions in recent weeks. You can go all the way back to, when he was kind of hot, running hot in the days following when Gus disappeared a few weeks back. You can remember him saying that 
whether it was his Monday or Wednesday press conference, that it's unacceptable. There was that one. And there was another one that I'm again forgetting. There was one before that where somebody had disappeared and he's like, yeah, I should play more. But yeah, I mean, he said that he's like, yeah, we need to get Gus in there. And I'm just like, when did you realize he disappeared? And when are lessons going to be learned? When are lessons going to be learned? It just makes no sense to me. Why, 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 why aren't you using your, this is the offense that you have. It's JK and Gus and Mark Andrews. Then if a couple of guys can put in a couple of plays here and there, like Demarcus Robinson did, that's fine. But we knew going in that those were your three guys, JK, Gus and Mark Andrews. And so how that's just it. Like, yeah, it's both, it's both Harbaugh and, and Greg Roman. Why are you forgetting about your playmakers? It's difficult that we're talking about this when I keep going to, I keep going back to what you said off the top, like, and, and players echoed similar sentiments after the game, they outplayed Cincinnati and like, yeah. like significantly outplayed them. And, and almost so, so much. So like they dictated the game, Sarah, and like leading up to that QB sneak, had they punched it in, you got Cincy up against the back of the wall in their home territory with a trip to the divisional round on the line. And just, wow, you talk about momentum. I'm not sure there's been a more significant momentum swing that I can remember in, in recent Ravens postseason history than, than that QB sneak going awry. That's why I wouldn't tip the cap, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to repeat myself. I mean, Mark Andrews said it. Because somebody had asked Mark Andrews, which this is just impossible to answer. I thought Mark Andrews did well. But they asked him, like, do you think that if uh, Lamar Jackson was here, do you wonder what could have been? And he's like, no, you can't play that way. And he's right. You can't play that way. Like, I mean, if Lamar's injured, he's injured. You know what I mean? Like, and he is. He's injured. And so so you can't keep going into, like, what if, what if, what if. you got to stay focused and be like, okay, reality is reality. Lamar Jackson's injured. Tyler Huntley is our guy right now. So he said, no, you can't play that way. And he said, Tyler Huntley played very good. And he's, and then he said, he goes, uh, he goes, we could have won this game. He, then he goes, no, he's like, we something to the effect of wanted to make it more strong. And he's like, no, we should have won this game. He goes, we controlled it from beginning to end. And they did. And they did like every time the Bengals got hit, they once again reverted back to their whining. Like, like Patrick Queen has a perfectly legal hit on his former teammate, Joe Burrow, inbounds, and everybody's booing him. Like, Jamar Chase, you know, he in his in his interviews last week, oh, we got something that for that. Oh, we got something for that. And Jamar Chase, obviously, I mean, especially in that first half, he played well. But in that second half, I mean, he just didn't even get much of a chance. And so uh, Kyle Hamilton drilled Hayden Hurst for that fumble. I, I mean, it was just... Just the Ravens were legally and cleanly beating them up 100%. They controlled this game, and that's why we keep coming back to the, the terrible QB sneak that shouldn't have been there in the first place and then the clock management at the end. J.D. Scott checking in with a YouTube Super Chat donation. Appreciate you. By the way, we have a new viewership record right now for – peak live concurrent viewers, which is awesome. Almost 700 in here live between Facebook, the vault, YouTube, Bobby Trossett, YouTube channel. So 
This is pretty cool. Thanks so much for being with us on this late night edition as we kind of wrap up the season. Of course, there's going to be plenty of, of recapping content and big picture content to come in the days and weeks ahead. But uh, JD writing in with, if, this, if Snoop executes the sneak correctly, there's no turnover. Even if they fail, they have another down to try with a running back. That's on Snoop, not Giro. And I agree. It's just a, it's a matter of it's, it's, it's on Snoop for the lack of execution, but it's on Giro for dialing it up. And that's where I think we fall, right? It should have gone to one of their horses because um, they were having their way. Sarah, they were having their way. They were getting the push. Uh, JK still showing that, that great burst, that great vision cutting ability, all that good stuff. And uh, he was running with his heart. He, he, you know what? He backed up the way that he spoke leading into this weekend, didn't he? That's what he did. Yeah, and I feel like, the, I feel like if you, it's a false binary. We don't have to only blame Greg Roman or only blame Tyler Huntley, right? Like, we can agree that Greg Roman shouldn't have put him in that, in the, in that position yeah. in the first yeah. place. Yes. Um, and then secondly, you can also say Tyler Huntley should have executed it the way it's supposed to be run. So it's it's a false binary to try to put it all in one person or the other. It's it's both, but I put but if you rank it, you you I put it on Greg Roman because I don't think you should have put him in that position in the first place, but Tyler Huntley is fully capable of going low. He he made a mistake. He made a mistake. And so did Greg Roman. They both made a mistake and it was disastrous the combination of their mistakes and when can we just say that those mistakes while they were certainly game changing and all ultimately game defining right um what's so difficult and and so pinpoint about the game at, at the nfl level is that these guys can be judged ultimately and and when it comes to winner win or wins or losses or job security or lack of security it comes down to a handful of plays. So while we are going to hold those guys accountable, and in this case, you know, Greg accountable and in, and in Tyler's case, you know, specifically with the lack of execution going high instead of low, can we also acknowledge that coming back from that egregious interception is second throw of the game and leading this team to not only be competitive, but to dictate the game and be a good game manager and hit some solid, you know, well-timed throws and, um, you know, navigate this offense in a hostile environment for your first ever postseason start I think he deserves some credit and and that'll get lost in the shuffle of this week because of everything that comes with this loss and the season coming to an end but an undrafted rookie was out there today and nobody in this country including us in our preview episode gave the Ravens a fighting chance and and without that one error we could be talking about a different outcome tonight yeah, yeah, he hit a 29-yarder to Mark Andrews, a 41-yarder to Demarcus Robinson, 27 J.K. Dobbins, and then that 19-yarder to the to Josh Oliver after that high snap. So, like I said before, I mean, he had super high, super high highs and a super low low. Yeah, yeah, over 700 people here joining us live right now uh, on the stream. So. This is awesome. We appreciate you guys. We're going to try to get to as many possible uh, questions that you have. If you're on YouTube, you can donate through the YouTube Super Chat feature, and we'll get to, again, as, as many as we can. Thanks so much for being with us. If you haven't already done so, please consider subscribing to both channels, liking the video on whatever channel that you're watching this thing on so that more Ravens fans uh, can discover us and what we're doing on a daily basis when it comes to the content game. More in the Q&A section, Sarah. Uh, let's see. 
I don't know how to pronounce this name, like Bucci Klopp, man. I don't know. Is that my <laughs> swagger? <laughs> um, imagine if Roman is still here next season. You and I are basically both on record at this point. This is not new that we feel reading the tea leaves, reading body language, putting two and two together, comparing things to last year, and you can't compare it, but I think you can when it comes to you know, overall demeanor and, and, and tone used by John Harbaugh in certain press conferences with how things went down with Wink Martindale, who, by the way, congratulations to Wink and the New York football giants who are moving on in the playoffs for the first time in, I think, over a decade. So that's pretty exciting up there. But uh, we're both on record for saying that we believe uh, things have run its course with, with Greg in Baltimore. Definitely. And just so we can, you know, get both of these guys in, Jack Lum had had a similar uh comment Harbaugh's job is safe and Romans isn't right so listen like I I do think I do think that a change will be made at offensive coordinator in terms of John Harbaugh's job I try to I'm trying to think about what Steve how Steve Bashotti would approach it um John Harbaugh has been I don't know what the word is. I guess that prickly that we just saw, but then suddenly, but he's trying to like hold it back. Right. And he's trying to put a smile on his face by the end of it. And then when he came out afterwards, like in his post-grain press conference, he was trying to be polite and he was, and he was trying to give everybody their answers while also standing his ground. Like he's, he's clearly had, he has, he's been different. He's been different. He's been prickly before, but I've never seen it for this many consecutive weeks in a row. And I'm sure that has to do with not having his, his starting quarterback and him also probably hoping, thinking Lamar would be back, but then every week learning, no, I gotta, I gotta figure it out again without Lamar and all that kind of stuff. And so I don't know what Steve Bashotti will do. What I would like Steve Bashotti to do is Steve Bashotti was notorious for not wanting to do those end-of-season press conferences. Uh, he did not want to do it. And then he finally figured out it was his, his way out of them after the 2019 season because he felt like if they ended on, on bad notes, he was like, I can't look like I'm ducking the media by not coming out now. So he stopped the tradition after that 2019 season. So... I don't believe he's done a postseason press conference kind of in review, State of the Ravens, since uh, 2018 because he stopped doing it in 2019. I think it would be good for him to do it this year. I think that with all that's been going on with Lamar Jackson, the contract, um, just just like the 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 weight that seems to be on the whole city of Baltimore despite having a playoff game today, like all last week, Bobby online was so negative and so down and so just, it was just like a heavy weight. And, and I think that people are so frustrated with coaching that that means the next voice they want to hear is Steve Bishotti. So I can't say for sure that Steve Bishotti would let him go, especially with so much going on with Lamar Jackson. Like it would be hard to, have all this going on with Lamar and then also get a brand new head coach. So I just don't see Bashadi pulling that trigger, but I would like him to speak and answer some questions that a lot of fans have on their minds via the media. Could not agree more. Oh, and I think that's what is. Joseph. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's what Joseph was getting at here. Thanks for the, the super chat donation. Uh, he writes, 
you know, will Bashadi hold an off-season press conference? Kind of what we're getting at here. Would love to hear his thoughts. Big off-season coming up. Feels like a lot of inner turmoil. And I don't think that's hyperbole. Like, there have been rumblings, right? And I think the JK press conference, and if you're just tuning in, JK, we, we have not gotten audio or video of this yet, but he has essentially voiced his concerns. He's voiced his frustrations about his lack of involvement in the red zone at the goal line, the the Huntley sneak, right? Never should have been there. A lot of quotes that we can re revisit in a little bit if you haven't already seen it. Jonas Schaefer has it up on Twitter. All the beat writers are covering this extensively. Um, Sarah, I think that's just one indication, uh, or, or maybe that's even sort of the burst, right? To use a, a running back phrase here, that's been the burst of the bubble here. And I wonder if there's sweeping changes on the horizon with, uh, not only the coaching staff, but just hey, personnel changes every year. We know there's going to be change there. We know there's several pending free agents. We don't know what Marcus Peters' future is, but I think what Joseph's getting at, what you hit out without even seeing him is question, and what I'm absolutely co-signing is that we need to hear from Steve Bashotti this offseason. This fan base needs clarity, needs, um, you know, ultimately, it just needs some questions answered, and I think it's going to help so much moving forward because like you said you didn't use this word but i'm going to use it i thought and, it, and this is certainly not calling an entire fan base this word but there was a percentage of the of the ravens fan base this week that felt toxic it felt frustrated it felt over it it felt over the current situation that this fan base has been in for a while and it was quite to be honest with you it was exhausting to, to watch and and create around as we do every single day and um, but I understand it, you know, I, I understand it. And I hope I hope that as the the architect of all of this, as the CEO of this, I, I hope that that he recognizes that and ultimately um, does something about it in the coming weeks. Thanks for the question, Joe. We're going to get to as many as we possibly can. You can hit us up through the YouTube Super Chat feature coming up on 800 right now, currently watching this live. So thanks so much for staying up late. It is 101 a.m. on the East Coast, partner, uh, on Monday morning here. And uh, everybody's still hanging around. Evan Rhodes checking in. Something funny I noticed during the game. Why does Hayden Hurst have such a vendetta against the Ravens? He acts like he didn't request for a trade. You know what's funny about that, Sarah? I mean, there were, he was all around the football, and he was definitely, like, there were a few, like, Trent's, well, like there were a couple, there was one specific one where he had a catch and just like, it was one of those mountain of Ravens, you know, like four or five guys pulling them up and then the whistles blow and there's still, and that was happening on both sides of the football, right? Lots of rah, rah, lots of activity, lots of extracurriculars, but you could tell he almost like threw his hands, something like this, like get out of here. You guys are pathetic or, or something along those lines. I did notice that. Did you notice anything else? Uh, I just noticed overall and, but may I have to be, honest and I don't know that you do but I don't really watch the Bengals in all their other games so I don't know what Hayden Hurst is like in their other games but I've definitely seen a trend not just tonight but over the three games this season he's definitely been like annoying like it's it's like you know his his over exaggerated celebrations and um and and it is annoying and I guess but I I don't know. Does he have a vendetta against the Ravens? I think more than anything, if you're looking at what guys usually, what their attitude usually is, it's that you just want to beat the, your former team. You want to beat your former team. And I think he wants to prove 
that he's better than maybe Mark Andrews and and the wide re- or, and the tight ends. And but after tonight, once again, I'm like, nah, nah. Mike and Mark Andrews is my guy. Because you imagine Mark Andrews if if Mark Andrews and Hayden Hurst flipped teams, what Mark Andrews would be doing with these three other receivers? <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh. Like with the four of them, like. Are you kidding me? Mark Andrews, probably my favorite play. Okay, probably my second favorite because my favorite was that third and one. And Huntley tossed it up a 50-50 and he came down with that. That was that was sick. But my oh, second yeah. favorite, even though, even though it, it didn't matter in the end, was on the quarterback sneak that was fumbled away. Mark Andrews, who is not some like cornerback or safety or or a wide receiver, okay? This is like a six foot four. I don't know what, what he is. Is he, what is he, like 250? He's like running down. And, and granted, he was also running down, a, I think, a defensive end. But this guy was not giving up. And and they're lucky that they had like five guys running with them because he was passing up several of those bangles. And it's like, that's my tight end right there. That's my tight end. He never, ever, ever quits, never quits. He just kept going. And so even though he couldn't chase him down with all those guys blocking for him, you know, that meant something. I felt like that meant something that it was like, he wasn't, he wasn't going to let that go easy. Oh no. He, he and JK are such prideful players. Yeah. You know, they're prideful in their media sessions. They're prideful um, fighting for every single yard on the football field. They're prideful as teammates. They're prideful as ambassadors of the organization. It's, it's it's pretty cool. And I think you can say the same thing about a number of players on this team. Obviously, Calais Campbell is a, you know, a, a past winner of the NFL Man of the Year Award, the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. We'll get to him in just a bit. I just saw a couple questions on him and the, and the big futures that are looming here, big decisions that that he and guys like Justin Houston have to make. Just want to say thanks for the $20 donation from YouTube user. Wish you had a name. Uh, tonight, you're going to go as a YouTube user. Enjoyed the coverage every morning on my car ride to work. I'm sick over that play. Of course, the, the, the QB sneak there from Huntley on the goal line. Uh, this will be a long off season. There's no question, but hopefully what will make it actually feel a little bit less long, <laughs> Sarah, is the fact that we're going to kind of be in this endeavor all year round. We're, we're committing to daily content. We haven't really announced this yet. So I guess, we're, oh, okay, I'm just going to go with it now. Uh, we are doing, you know, we're committing to daily content year round. And of course there's going to be some exceptions depending on weeks and, um, you know, travel some solo weeks. Sarah and her son are going to Japan in March. So, you know, I'm going to get creative that week, but uh, it goes without saying that, you know, we've had a, a blast and you guys have been so incredibly supportive and engaged that it makes us want to continue doing it year round, quite frankly. Bobby, just an FYI, F- FYI, I will be gone for two weeks in Japan. <laughs> so I just want to make sure you got that straight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know <laughs> I'm excited for you too, because as everybody knows, you guys have been following along, you know, that Sarah did a great job for the 10 days that I was gone back in March during the bye week but uh, more from JK, by the way, he just put oh, up more. an Instagram story. <laughs> I mean, he, he may need to get to bed soon here, Sarah, before he says something that he probably shouldn't, but uh, I need JK on our show. Is he going to call in here? Come on in JK. <laughs> honestly, we should get him. That, that'd be really something, but uh, he reposted a, a highlight from, from the Ravens and, and an NFL account that, that had him, it was just a highlight. And 
it, it's the Spanish written in English translation, feed the bull more, but it's written, <laughs> written in Spanish. Is this guy not the best man? He's, I love him. He 13 attempts tonight, 13 mm. attempts. Yeah. Uh, Tyler Huntley had nine. Gus had 12. Like mm. if Lamar was having nine. Okay. I'm here for that. Tyler Huntley again, uh, you know, had very high highs and a very low, low. Um, and he did pick up some first down with his legs, but he is not Lamar Jackson running that ball. He's not, there's a couple times where, you know, he got caught and it's like, you can't blame him, but that's what I'm saying though. That's what the point is, is like, give like half of those to JK, you know, yeah. give half of those uh, to JK at least. Yeah. yeah. Tonight marked last night, I should say, we're taping this on Monday morning at this point, but uh, last night marked the first time the Ravens have scored two offensive touchdowns in a game since November 27th. And, you know, hey, while Tyler showed that they were moving the ball, you know, and and like we said, we've, we've said it many times, they dictated the pace and, and yeah. really all but the ultimate outcome of this game uh, that they, they could have dictated the ultimate outcome if it weren't for self-inflicted wounds. And so while, while all that was true and should be recognized and accepted and, and acknowledged from, from tonight, Sarah, it, it's no secret that over the last month, really since the Denver game and even pre Lamar going down, you know, this offense was just not functioning at the level of consistent winning football and put the defense in a position where really they had to go out and win games. And we saw that down the stretch, but uh, against the Cincinnati team, they did all they possibly could. They needed more from their offensive group tonight, and there's no question about that. Hey, Bobby, should we? I know we got a lot more super chats to get to. Is there any on Lamar Jackson? I'm just wondering if we should, you know, talk about Lamar before it gets too late here and the night runs, the morning, I guess, runs away from us. Yeah, for sure. I mean, for starters, you know, Lamar did not travel to Cincinnati for this game. That was definitely a conversation and a talking point that the NBC broadcast crew mentioned uh, in pregame. So that should be known. Obviously, we're just a couple of days removed from his breaking of silence, if you will, where he tweeted a couple threads about the extent of his PCL sprain. It's somewhere between a grade two and grade three. Said he was not anywhere close to uh, 100%. I'm paraphrasing. But I'm also using the information that Marlon Humphrey had to say post game. I saw some, some, some quotes from Jamison Hensley, who had a chance to catch up with him in the media scrum post game. And here's part of what Marlon had to say when asked specifically about Lamar. Um, I don't even know if I should say this, but he's like limping around the facility. Marlon said, "That's kind of the crazy thing that people don't see." Jamison also said that Marlon mentioned that Lamar wasn't healthy enough to play estimating him at 50 to 60% more from Marlon on Lamar. Again, this is all, I don't know if we're going to catch video version of this stuff on camera. I assume the team is going to be very careful about what they release. And we're probably going to end up relying on video put forth by, by the beat reporters, but more from Marlon. Obviously we knew that he wasn't going to be out there with us, but hopefully we sign him to a big term deal. And uh, he's a Raven with me forever. That's those are some significant quotes there from, Marlon post game. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Yeah, well, what's interesting about this, and I'm I'm a little bit not under I don't understand why the media who are there every day, right? You don't have press credentials. I live in Columbus. But I did know via Jeff Zrebeck, who, by the way, has been on mostly on paternity leave for almost this whole season. But he came, he would come off of paternity leave for Sunday games. So he's doesn't, he didn't have as much access as he normally does. And certainly not as much as many of the other media. So while all this, like, is he hurt or is it a contract thing was going on? I was surprised more media didn't put out what, what Marlon just put out because Jeff Zrebeck, and I only saw Jeff Zrebeck say it in replies on Twitter. Nobody in the local media, like, blew it out. Jeff Zrebeck said this. This is why I was like, no, this he's injured. He's injured. And we, I kept thinking he's not coming back because Jeff is saying Lamar has a pronounced limp. Like, he was saying that. He said that multiple times throughout these last five weeks. And so... Marlon's saying, I don't know if I should say that, but he put it out. I don't, I don't know why media didn't put that out more because that would have helped expectations, right? Like he has a limp. He like, and so. Well, so can that I just was, add that? Yeah. Sorry to cut you off. I, I think, and I, I know the tweet that you're referencing. I mean, we, you and I scour Jeff's Twitter all the time because of how thorough he is. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering if, the, the beat reporter crew would often see Lamar. I think Jeff happened to bump into him that day and realized or noticed that he, he was walking around with a pronounced limp. It was actually dated December 28th for whatever it's worth. I know we're weeks out from that, but whatever, just so we have a timeline here. And it seemed as if Lamar was just sort of happened to be in the general vicinity of Jeff. And I, I just wonder because he hasn't been around the, the media viewing portion of practice because he hasn't practiced in however many, 17, 18 straight sessions, that maybe they haven't seen him. Well, I don't know about both times, but I do, do know that one time Jeff said, I saw him, and we know Jeff is only going to the game, so he didn't see him. I saw him after the game, and then the next week they asked him again, and he said, I didn't get the greatest look at him. He was on the other side of the locker room. So we saw him in the locker room. 
all the media are in there with Jeff. It's not like Jeff had some sort of, you know, secret backdoor. Oh, I ran into him in the hallway. He was saying, I saw him across the, the locker room and it, he yeah. seemed to still have a limp. So, so anyway, I, I don't know. May, I don't know. Other, maybe they didn't see him. I don't know. But, but obviously Jeff, Jeff saw it and put it in those, in those tweets. So, um, so that's not surprising that, that Marlon says that because that is what Jeff has been saying that he, that he had a limp in terms of, of Lamar not traveling to Cincinnati. I don't know what to make of it because there have been some games that he traveled to since he's been injured. And there are some games that he hasn't traveled to. The one that I most remember because I tweeted a picture of it was the Steelers game. Uh, and he was, he was walking with, with Tyler Huntley off of the field, going into the locker room right before the game pregame. So, so I don't think that his knee would be the reason why he wasn't traveling this time because he has traveled before. But then again, he also didn't travel in other games since that, since that Steelers game. So I don't know what the, the decision-making is there. I don't know. Um, because it's because his knee, you would think, has gotten better since when he traveled to the Steelers game. It's been weeks since then, unless there was some sort of setback. But he hasn't been at practice at all, not even in a limited capacity. So, so I don't know that there would have been a setback. But again, I don't know. So I don't know what to make of it, that he goes on to some games and doesn't go to others. Now, obviously, for a playoff game, it elevates the visibility of that more um, because it's like your team is like, this is it. I mean, this is, this is what we play for. It's the playoffs. We're here. And Tyler Huntley was asked about, did you have any communication with Lamar? And Tyler Huntley said, uh, before the game, he told me to go do my thing. He goes, I wish he could have been at the game, but, and then stopped there. So, yeah maybe I have no idea. I have no idea why he didn't travel. Um, I'm, I'm, I feel like I would rule out that it was because he didn't want to travel with the knee because he's traveled before, unless there was some sort of setback. But even then, usually when Lamar hasn't played and he's not on the sideline, when he's not been on the sideline, he's tweeting support. So I've seen him in the past, you know, when Tyler Huntley does a good play, like I was like, Ooh, maybe Lamar will do his his rockets, right? When when Tyler Huntley hit that 41 yarder to Demarcus Robinson, all of that. And so yeah. so I don't know what's going on, but it doesn't something something doesn't feel right, Bobby. Something doesn't feel right because the Lamar that we've known in the past is always not that he has to, and I'm not it, I don't want to speculate what's going on, but something doesn't feel right that he didn't travel number 1 and then number 2. Okay, he hasn't traveled before, so something else must be co coming in play, but why not support your guys online while it's going on? So um, maybe it's all nothing. Uh, maybe it is, but I know that on the outside, it looks like something. Well, you hope it's related to either his current physical status or just a team decision, you know, because if it's not, gosh, I mean, here we go again. You know, this is you and I have stayed relatively consistent in our belief that, Hey, we're going to continue to take Lamar by his word, you know, cause he haven't, he hasn't given us 
any other reason not to uh, besides speculation and, and everything that we you know, conspiracy theories and everything we've covered extensively on the vault in recent weeks. But uh, so it's, it's hard to kind of balance whether or not we're because of, of how much this is being dissected, his every move, his every word that he uses, his every action, you know, his silence, whatever it might be. It's, it's hard to balance that out sometimes, but you know, ultimately this has been a major, major messaging disaster by the organization. And I think I do believe that. I, if there's any clarity that I have in recent weeks, Sarah, it's that one video that I put together that compiled every single answer that, and again, I don't know if this is on Harbs. I don't know if this is on Harbs in the way that he went about this, but if you go back to the Denver game, December 4th, and you go all the way up until last week that he was asked about it, it went from December 4th, hey, I'm optimistic. I'm hopeful this is not a significantly, um, you know, injured PCL sprain. It's a knee thing, whatever. And then so on and so forth. The progression week by week became more dismissive, more short, more frustrated. And ultimately, he wasn't even willing to give, you know, um, com well, compelling. He wasn't able to give like a big time answers. I don't even know what the word I'm using now. It's getting late here. What am I using? I'm trying to I'm trying to think of like um, concrete clear. answers. Yeah, clear. concrete yeah. or clear answers. And it's just gotten to the point where to me, it's it's become a messaging disaster. And I think without that messaging and to begin with such hope and such, such optimism, it almost set the scene for, for yeah, he's going to be back eventually. And now he hasn't and the season's over and the questions only loom larger. And I feel like from a messaging standpoint, I wonder why he chose to, where where is the discrepancy here? Where did things change? And where's been the miscommunication? Has it been between player coach? Has it been coach medical staff, player medical staff? There's going to be so, a lot, a lot of things left unanswered. So two things. Um, number one, I've been willing to be patient with Harbaugh's part of explaining this all for two reasons. Number one, he really is repeating what doctors tell him. He's not coming up with, with the timelines on his own. What he is coming up with, with is how much he wants to reveal. But when he announced that it was not season ending, he didn't, he didn't come up with that on his own. He, he was definitely told that by a doctor. So, yeah, yeah. so something went wrong there. The second thing that I've been willing to be patient on is that while other think it's BS in Harbaugh's mind, whether you agree with it or not, keeping this stuff a secret gives you some sort of an edge in game planning. And he knows that because on his end, when he's not quite sure when an opponent, you know, star player is going to play or not, he knows the toll it takes on his coaching staff. And he's trying to put that on the other coaching staff. Okay, so I've been willing to be patient. Season's over. I would like answers Monday morning, which is now. It's one twenty Monday morning, okay? <laughs> He, in he 10 usually, hours from now. <laughs> yeah, he usually meets with the media at 3.30. So I would like more open questions because now there's nothing that – there's no reason why competitively that you can't be more clear. Now, he'll say that there's still privacy laws and people are debating if he really is under privacy laws. I mean, that I, I can also pretty much say that, that that's, that's been a longstanding Ravens thing. I remember when there was questions about Steve Smith a while ago, the Ravens put out a statement – 
citing HIPAA that they couldn't give details on it. So I don't know if that if some stuff is state to state or what, but that is not just a John Harbaugh thing. That is for sure. There's a ton of lawyers at the Ravens. Okay. I'm telling you that that's not just a John Harbaugh thing. And when I say there's a ton, there's some lawyers there. There's not like a ton. There's lawyers there. Okay. So that's, that's number one, but I'm, I no longer feel like the patience needs to be there. I think that the answers now need to come. Okay. The second thing that I found very interesting and I took the weekend off after we, we had a crazy Thursday. I can't believe that you kept going. I was watching you were putting up personal videos. I never really had a reaction to Sammy Watkins because I took the weekend off and what he said. And probably the biggest thing for me that came out of that Sammy Watkins comment was that Sammy himself does not know the status of his own quarterback. Yeah. And I say that because that's how private Lamar Jackson is. People say he's private. Let that sink in for a moment. His wide receiver, and sure, he's only been here for a couple of weeks. But let that set in. His wide receiver, who's in the building every day, started off his comments by saying, I don't really know where he's at. Now, he did just join the team, but you're right. He's rejoined the team, I should say. He's only been in Baltimore for a couple of weeks since they claimed him off of waivers. But how many, but like, point- would Mark Andrews say the same thing? I wonder. But he's been here for two weeks. Yeah. So, but, so but Lamar hasn't been a part of the operation for six Lamar's, weeks now. Lamar's in there every day. He's no, getting know, treatment but, every day. He's in the locker room every like, day. But you wonder, like, treatment rooms are different than the locker room. Injured players are different than, you know, game day players. And you name it. You wonder if, of course, there's, there's the same locker room. There's going to be overlap and whatnot. Again, not making excuses here. I think... I'm totally with what you. With the takeaway, for by what? The way. Like, what's there to defend? I'm just saying, I don't listen. I'm a private person too. You know that about me. I'm not saying that it's right or wrong for Lamar to be, to be private. Uh, I grew up that way. I mean, my grandpa was notoriously the most private man. He, he, <laughs> whatever, I won't get into it, but he's so private. He for sure died early because he wouldn't go to a doctor for his cancer. Like he was notoriously like get out of my business kind of a guy. So there's nothing to defend here. Like you, you said that like maybe I'm, I'm giving excuses. There's nothing to defend. I'm just saying Lamar Jackson is so private that you're te- like his teammates don't know where he's at health wise. And it doesn't matter that he's only been there for a couple of weeks. Like you could come in and you could come in the first day and your first question would be like, Hey, how's Lamar? So I'm a wide receiver, you know, like how's Lamar? And he couldn't yeah, get an answer yeah. inside that locker room, whether it was directly from Lamar or somebody else. Like if he went to like Demarcus Robinson and was like, or Mark Andrews or whoever, and is like, Hey, how's Lamar? I just, I just joined the team. How's he feeling? Yeah. And he doesn't know. That's kind of the point. And so it's like, it's just so interesting to me that it's like, they don't know. They, they, so when John Harbaugh says, I don't know, I mean, maybe they really don't know. It's crazy to me that, that Sammy Watkins didn't know. But those are some of the questions that need to be answered as soon as possible that you were alluding to, you know, where is yeah. this, what, where is this break in communication, you know, and, and, and in my video, the, you know, one of the personal ones that you referenced on my personal channel, I, I went in the head and, and just cold called the Washington post reporter who put that piece out in this conversation with Sammy, Adam Kilgore. And I was just like, Hey, when did you actually chat with him? You know, 
He's all Wednesday, you know, because you, you and I know that's when they have the media out of town media into the locker room and whatnot. I was like, okay. And I started thinking, all right, well, Lamar put out his tweets on Thursday night. So mm-hmm. technically, Sammy could have learned of everything. And again, not saying it's right or wrong, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that Sammy was in the dark. I'm with you. I'm surprised. But I also think that if he had been aware of those tweets, that I think he would have handled that that interview differently. And I think it would have been a completely different tone and demeanor. But maybe that's point, you know, that point aside because it's all under the umbrella of wondering and re- trying to realize why his teammates aren't in the know in terms of where his timeline is. So right, and so you don't expect that the, the teammates. I mean, usually teammates know about one another, but they're not telling each other's business. So there's like it's one thing that you know, but you're just not telling their business. But it's another thing that you just straight up don't know. And so, and so it's all just, that's what makes this all so like, as you were negative and all of this, it's just like, nobody can get clear answers anywhere. You know, nobody can get clear answers. And, um, you know, we, I think we said in one of our instant reactions to Lamar, like Lamar also could have tweeted that earlier. You know what I mean? He could, not that I'm saying he had to, but I'm just saying, it's like, it's just, there's all just. It all comes together where John Harbaugh just keeps saying he doesn't know. Sammy Watkins doesn't know. Um, then should we take that Lamar isn't traveling as a sign or not take it as a sign? Lamar isn't tweeting about his team and giving him support. Should we take that as a sign or not a sign? And it's all all on top of this umbrella of what's going to happen with the contract. It's It's all of it. And so... Because and then John Harbaugh has been prickly for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. So when you put it all together with no clear answers, you're just like something's up. And I personally don't like to speculate online about it, but something's up, and everybody's going to come up with their own theories and narratives on it. And I get it because there's no answers. You, if you leave a vacuum empty, somebody's going to fill it with their theories and 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 narratives a bunch of chats that we need to get to and we're over right. an hour here so let's fire up these and get to as many as we possibly can before shutting it down uh free wi-fi checking in did they ever get to the bottom of the fire Giro vandalism paper signs uh no i don't believe so i'm sure somebody knows within the organization who the heck that was who knows deshaun deshaun jackson's no longer there you wonder if uh no i don't believe it was d who knows is it, it literally we have no idea who that was and they're going to keep it internally obviously any uh theories out there sir no keep it going here kevin lee checking in ten dollar donation we appreciate you greg roman is a scapegoat fire harbaugh please he allows these coordinators to make terrible calls and continues to mismanage the clock he did stand by as you heard earlier on in the stream he did stand by his clock management or lack thereof if you ask us tonight uh, right around the one o'clock mark there, one o'clock, gosh, the one minute mark at the end of the fourth quarter there to me was just, it was egregious. It was so slow. It was so lackadaisical. And while he said he was saving his timeouts for when they got into the red zone, it didn't even matter because those last heaves into the, into the, into the red zone, into the end zone were coming from like the 25 yard line. It was just, it was really, really poorly managed down the stretch. And you just felt like it was a ticking time bomb, honestly. And on, and really, more so than anything else, it was a microcosm of what these deficiencies have been. You know, their Achilles heel, offensively speaking, for weeks, if not months, down the second half stretch of the season, Sarah. Yeah, I don't feel like Greg Roman is a scapegoat, but 
I also don't think that if the Ravens were to let him go, that that would suddenly cure all the problems at all. There's other things that need to be fixed, including, um, you know, game clock management. I don't think that's only, only Roman and their, the, the organizational philosophy with wide receivers that will, will stay that, that, that's, that predates Greg Roman. Engravens in the building. What's up, Ang? Happy off season, brother. You know it's gonna be anything but over the next week, by the way, as we kind of put a put a bow on this season and whatnot. We're gonna have to connect with you again. We had you on first couple weeks of the pod, so looking forward to connecting with you this off season. And uh, congrats on a on a great year, brother. And thanks for all the support. Thanks for popping in, Ang. Let's see. Jack Lum, biggest off season hope, excluding Lamar and Roman. This is easy for me outside threat vertical passing game let's go get modernized all right get more get more versatile get more scary they don't scare you on the outside love the double move by by d rob but he's not going to be here next year unless it's like a super team friendly deal yet again awesome double move though loved it great uh not enough separation for me across the board and uh, i will say i just want to give i just want to put this out there because you know i've been super critical acutely critical of James Prochet, Sarah, and a lot of it's been deserving. With the whole deflection thing in the end zone for what the ultimate prayer there uh, on fourth down, uh, to me, you know, deflections are, are such a freak thing. It's concentration, it's timing, it's luck, it's bounce, it's luck of the draw, and uh, I can't get on him about that. Uh, that said, it was super close, and it came down to inches. Yeah, it did. Um, biggest offseason hope i mean the ravens do have a lot of their foundation which we we kind of talked about when they signed uh roquan smith and they got roquan right next to him will be patrick queen marcus uh williams marlon humphrey uh you do got to figure out marcus peters and all that but they have you know they got odafayoe ojabo they got a lot of a found a lot of foundation, especially on the defensive side. You've got Mark Andrews locked in. You've got Ronnie Stanley locked in. You've got a lot of guys on rookie contracts that are still locked in. And so there's, you know, there there are things that you can definitely bolster here and there that they're gonna have to do. But but I'm with you. I mean, it's outside of Lamar. I mean, that is it. Like you have to have a wide receiver crew that will threaten an opponent that has to be respected and the Ravens haven't had that in a number of years. Steven checking in big picture question. We're going to hit a lot of these over the course of the next couple of weeks for sure. But, uh, he wants to know is our D line still underwhelming, especially next year with Campbell and Houston gone. I thought some of their young pieces actually were, I mean, I don't know. Was Adafi like big picture? I think he had his best game of the season tonight, by the way. But like big picture in year two, was was he underwhelming? Yeah, I think we can all probably agree. You know, he's he's going to be measured by sack production, not pressures, in a lot of ways. As a first round, as a former first round pick, thought he was flying around the field tonight, by the way. But uh, yeah, I would expect that Calais is probably going to end up retiring, which is sad. You hate to see him go out this way. Ninety nine career sacks, future Hall of Famer. Just couldn't quite get there for all of his years in the league. 15 years strong, Sarah. Um, I'll be surprised to see him back in the NFL. And for Justin Houston, he made it very clear after the, after the game tonight, uh, last night, that he was he's interested in continuing to play. And while he's, you know, I guess he, he came off this crazy tear and he was on pace for like some big time, you know, sack numbers early on in the year. He did level off a little bit down the maybe like the second half stretch. but. Uh, 
super impressed with what they got out of him just just based on how economical that deal was. Yeah, I mean, Roderick Washington, I feel like has been kind of um, under the radar uh, in terms of, you know, a big guy in there. Um, they've got Travis Jones coming up in the defensive line. I mean, hasn't Matt made Abike. a ton of noise as as a, as a rookie, Matt Abike. Um So, but, but yeah, they're going to have some, some work to do there uh, for sure. But I don't think that they're without... And what is the status? I'm trying to think. Michael Pierce, how many years did they sign him for? I know he's been on IR. Um, I that was a multi-year many... deal, I believe. Yeah, so Michael Pierce should be back. Um, but I can look that up um, as we move on to other questions. Yo, France checking in about some of the stuff that you and I kind of uncovered and uh, with, with Derek Wolf. By the way, just for that those of you who have been you. wondering. You know, <laughs> thank you, but... But yeah. those of you who've been wondering about our follow-up interview that that we kind of teased with Derek, uh, he he wanted to push it off till the off season. So uh, I'm gonna try to breathe down his neck in, in the coming weeks mm -hmm. to hopefully not that we're like I don't know I don't want to be looked at as like you know antagonizing him or like trying to uncover something that's not there. But he had a lot to say, and you know we always reach out to to the organization in those cases for you know, um, comment or, you know, a follow-up to get their side. So we're certainly not trying to just like, you know, throw indictments around here of, of the team, but I just felt like, you know, what he had to say a few weeks back, I think it was like in, in early December was, was notable. So, um, I, I don't see big, I don't know, conditioning, medical staff changes. I don't, I don't see any of those being in line with, with Greg. We both feel like Greg is, is on his way out. We can get to the whole medical training thing and, and, you know, um, that staff, that part of the organization later on. We'll get to another $20 donation here from Jermaine. We appreciate your support. Uh, what does our head coach actually do? He, he doesn't call the plays. He doesn't notice who has the hot hand. He doesn't manage the clock. He also defects, deflects blame every time. I'm just a sad fan tonight. Hey, man, let's just let people air it all out. Air it all out here, you know? I Thank mean, you. obviously John Harbaugh does a bit, but I'm not going <laughs> to, there's, there's no, you know, tonight's not the night. Tonight's not the night to be defending him. Cause I do feel like, uh, he messed up big time tonight by not getting JK in there and with the, with the clock management. So he obviously does a lot, but I'm just letting people, let's just let people air it out here. Steven's just checking in with a bunch of $10 donations. We appreciate you. Was there much was there this much passion behind firing Roman and getting wide receivers last season and nothing changed? Why do you think this off season would be any different? Well, I just feel like there's just a lot. I mean, I guess that's a good, actually, let me think about that. You got anything off the top, Sarah? I got to yeah. kind of process that question. Yeah, for sure. Now I think there was a lot of passion out outside of me. I mean, I can't speak for you, Bobby. I don't even know what you were calling for last year. I, I really, you were on radio and I came on a couple of times, but I didn't know what your opinion was. So I'll just speak for me. Obviously there was a lot of passion from the fan base for me. Um, for me to this year for me was like his, his make or break it. And I say that because I think 2019 was so good that it for sure carried over for a couple of years for me where in 2020, it was kind of like, well, there was this weird COVID <laughs> outbreak and the Ravens had won. Um, I think five of their last six games and things were going well. And it was like, see, Roman can do it. As long as he's got his pieces, the, 
COVID really threw things off. And then in 2021, I I had a hard time personally calling for his job when his offense, along with the defense, was decimated, was decimated with the 2021 injuries. We all know it was a, a season uh, injury season from hell. Like it was just terrible. And so, so while I, I certainly saw what people were talking about and I can remember after past postseason games, I was like, the, 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 the passing offense has to be better, but I felt like the run game was so good. And then I felt like there was just weirdness in the two prior seasons that for me coming into this, this year was it, I wanted to see it this year. And granted he didn't have Lamar in the end, but, but even without, but, but then I, that's what bothers me so much tonight is, is that you had to lean on your run game and you didn't do it. You have a playmaker in there that's begging for the ball and you're not giving it to him inside the five yard line. I mean, and this, it's just been this way all season long. So, uh, and then even while Lamar was still in and it, it was still like they couldn't score in the red zone. And, and for me, it just, be, it just can't, it just went over the top for me this year. Although uh, certainly many fans were, were ahead of me on that curb. Did you think of your thought now, Bobby? Well, I just, it, first of all, I thought Evan's comment was funny here. It's crowded at the end of the bar tonight. Harv is never, <laughs> he's never going to live he's that, not gonna live that down. down. Yeah, no, he's not, he's not. And he didn't mean anything by it, but it did come across as condescending. You know, fans are going to, it would have been a long afterthought now had they been winning games here down the straw. You know, they won enough games to obviously qualify for the postseason, but they are one and done yet again here. I, my only thought on that is uh, I'm just enjoying this this new phase of my life, Sarah, because when I was in radio, you know, it's essentially like a partner of the team. I think you sort of inadvertently start sipping the Kool-Aid maybe and not exactly saying what you want to say in certain situations. So. It's been nice to kind of have zero filter and, um, hey, you know, kind of tell it like it is when we when we see fit, you know, and I know we both feel like, you know, there should be a change at offensive coordinator. And while it's not going to fix everything overnight, uh, it's certainly going to be an opportunity to, you know, hey, maybe keep some guys around. You never know. That could be something that Lamar hasn't discussed publicly, but he's he, it's burning inside and that could be a one of his you know, wishes moving forward if he wants to continue to stay in Baltimore, you know, and you know, you never know. That, that could could be the case. Yeah, I'm just seeing Boss Juan saying, say say what you all want. I feel like people definitely, uh, people, I think that I, I do say what I want. I do. Um, and, and people, I think because I, like, I'm patient or whatever, they think that I'm, covering for the team or whatever. If, if I ever see things a certain way and people don't agree with it, they always go to the, Oh, you cover for the team. And it's like, no, no, we've, we've been, I've been calling out, you know, Greg Roman, uh, since the time. So I do say what I want. I hold back on speculation for sure. I like to have evidence and I like to have hard facts. Um, th I mean, there's some instances where we both definitely speculate, uh, sometimes I'm more comfortable with it than others based off of, you know, history and, you know, evidence and all that kind of stuff. But I do say what I want to say. And, but if people disagree with me, it's, they're quick to say, Oh, Oh, you're trying to cover for the team. And that's just not it. I mean, I haven't worked for the team for four years. I live in Columbus. I don't go there. I don't speak with anybody there. There's they, I get nothing from the Ravens. I get nothing from them. So I, I do say what I want to say. 
can we just use that to say this? Like we are unaffiliated with the team. We say that every <laughs> single morning vault podcast. Um, you know, we, we don't have any kind of commitments to the team. We both worked indirectly and directly with the team, Sarah, for well over a decade directly with the team and me for four years indirectly as the pre and post game show host. So like the, you know, the partner of the Ravens on BAL and 98 rock. So yeah, I mean, you know, that's, that's what it was, you know, was I one, was I once a sort of newly minted kind of like mid twenties guy who just got his first job and was kind of Kool-Aid sipping about the team. Yeah. Yeah. But you live and you learn, you grow, you mature, you, 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 you appreciate certain things. And, and what I can tell, you know, from you and I share it with each other all the time, we appreciate this platform that we're building. We appreciate the ability to be open and honest and, um, you know, communicate and voice our opinions when, when we see fit. So I think that's a, a pretty good place to kind of put a bookmark in this partner. I, I know that there's a, a lot of different, you know, open and, and uh, wide ranging conversations about the future of this team that are still to be had that will be had this week. There's a lot of uh, pending free agents that could very well have played their final game tonight as a Raven. I think Marcus Peters could very well be at the top of that list. So uh, we got a lot to get to get to in the coming weeks. But I think our you know our parting message is that we're we're going to continue to create daily content throughout the course of uh, the off season and all year round. We're excited about it, and um, I'll kind of give you the floor to to sign off here. Hey, I just look forward to uh, John Harbaugh's. Uh, press conference in in a few hours <laughs> go to yeah. bed tonight and hopefully get some of our our questions answered I mean I'm sure he'll be asked about JK Dobbins which you know I can't blame Jake blame JK Dobbins at all for his frustration uh, he will be asked about Greg Roman 1000 percent and um, those decisions usually come pretty quickly after a season so one way or another we're gonna know you know if, if he's going to stick with Greg Roman, for those that feel like John Harbaugh should be gone, we would know quickly. It's usually, you know, the Monday after, you know, you get you get knocked out. So um, assuming that, that John Harbaugh is sticking around, I mean, he will be asked about Roman. He will be asked about the dealing of Lamar Jackson's communication with his knee and why that has just been so all over the place, so all over the place. And, and I think that, you know, fans – you know, deserve those answers. And then, uh, you know, hopefully it's going to be up the, to the media, I think, to push for Steve Bashotti for sure to get him on. So uh, that is not John Harbaugh's question, um, decision, you know, so they'll ask him, but that's really not up to him. So, but, but hopefully the, the media, you know, make those requests through PR and make it known that they, they feel like um, he should speak. Yeah, it's got to happen. We need it. The fan base needs it. You know, and really the organization needs it because ultimately uh, it's going to, you know, give them the clarity that they probably don't have right now, too. I can't imagine that there's any sort of, um, you know, like there's just so much left unanswered right now. And that's why there's been it's been a noisy week. It's been a noisy week in Baltimore and beyond for sure about this football club. And uh, it probably will be, you know, the 27 year history of this franchise one of, if not the most pivotal, pivotal as we come up on 2 a.m. here, uh, <laughs> off seasons in, in the history of the organization. So with that partner, 
Thanks for a great year. We got, we're just getting started. I mean, I wasn't kidding when I told Ng, like, it's just begun. Are you kidding? Yeah. Like, there's going to be stretches of the off season where they're going to, it's going to be, we're going to be just as busy as we are in season, but that's what makes it fun. If you haven't already done so, by the way, uh, first of all, thank you. Highly engaging tonight and uh, super generous with our donations. I'm, I'm, I hope we got to as many questions as we possibly could tonight. You can hit us up uh, by email if you want to ask us more long-winded stuff. We are going to have, right, partner? We are going to do the big wide-ranging Q&A session, sort of a yeah. long-form podcast on the vault this week. So uh, be on the lookout for that. And if you want to submit a question that we can dive into more thoroughly in that pod, you can hit us up at email by email. Uh, at Baltimore Ravens vault at gmail.com. If you haven't already done so, please consider liking this video so other Ravens fans, other content creators uh, can discover what we're doing uh, on a daily basis for the Ravens. Subscribe to both channels. Like I said, like those videos. Hit that little notification bell if you feel so inclined so you can uh, be notified when we release our daily content. And uh, with that, the 2022-2023 Baltimore Ravens season is in the books, partner. And uh, we've got a lot to, lot to catch up on this week. So, night. Night. Good night. Good morning. Good night, everybody. Good morning to Tommy Jones in Australia and all of our crew from all over the world. Maybe I'll actually finally get on that whole map idea this offseason, but I got enough on my list. Okay. I'm going to stop rambling and finish things up here. Good night, everybody. Thanks for being with us inside the vault.